So, amen. And so I don't care what mom you are working moms are working moms period we don't have to put a caveat whether it's inside or outside the home it's just always going isn't it and so i noticed at the end of that song they sang in the end it's worth it it's worth it to me and the guys in the room going what's it worth it i would rather just stab myself in the eye with a stick than than go through that and so um that's exactly what describes the emotions and the unbalanced life of a mother, just that all the cray cray stuff. And that's why pastor asks me to do the Mother's Day message. He says, I I don't get that at all. He said, why would moms put themselves in a no-win position? That's why there needs to be a dad to step in and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, like us mothers love to be in a no-win situation. Moms, do we like that? No, we don't, but somebody's gotta do it, right? That was Mom in the Middle two years ago. You can check it out um, on our website. But anyway, that's another message for another day. Well, moms, today is your day. Welcome to Mother's Day weekend at Faith Promise Church. Come on, church, can we clap for our moms? Awesome. We're so glad that you're here. And so we're kicking off our new family series called Set the Table. And I was um, looking through some things and, you know, the creative brain, if you don't know me, I just have a, you know, it all has to be creative, it all has to fit together and all that stuff. And so I begin to look up Bible verses on table, setting the table. And the first, the suggested verse was this, look up at the top of the screen. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I thought, boy, not going to lie, that's so, so many times when I, I feel that. But I went on to look, and there's a, there was a lot more verses early on in Scripture about a particular table. It was called the Table of Showbread, and it was in the tabernacle that Moses had um, built in, in the wilderness. And God was very, very specific about every article of furniture that was in the tabernacle. And this particular table... He was very specific about the place settings that was, was on the table and about how they were to be set and where it was to be set. And he wanted it right outside of the veil, which is the closest place to the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. And so I thought, what a beautiful picture of the family, right? Setting the table for the family and how our, our families should be. Setting each individual piece very specifically, like God wanted it right there, the closest we can get to the presence of God. And so in this series, this is what Faith Promise wants for you, families, together. Set the table for a spirit-filled legacy in your family. Let's just say that again. At Faith Promise Church, here's what we want to accomplish from this series. We want to set the table for a spirit-filled legacy in your family. And so historically, the table was, is the centerpiece of the home or has been the centerpiece of the home. Families would gather around it. And when they gather around it, they would play games or they would do homework. Uh, if you're like me, I fold clothes. Conversations are had. Meals are, are, are eaten together. Prayers are had. And, and at the Stevens family, we have a Stevens staff meeting, which I'll tell you about that later. Everybody joins in, even the grandkids. But I wanted to um, share some statistics with you about the family tab- dinner table. And I I thought they were pretty interesting. So family dinners, number one, family dinners mean better family relationships. 
study by Columbia University showed that 71% of teenagers surveyed stated they considered talking, catching up, and spending time with family members was the best part of the dinner to them. Number two, family dinners lead to healthier food choices. A research done by Dr. William Gilman showed that families who have dinner together make healthier food choices. Number three, eating as a family leads to better grades. A study by CASA showed that teenagers who ate dinner with family five to seven times per week were twice as likely to receive A's and B's. Number four, family dinners lead to greater happiness. A study of 5,000 teenagers has shown that when children eat with their parents regularly, they are more likely to be emotionally strong and have better mental health. They were more likely to be adjusted, have good manners, and communication skills. As related to mothers who ate with their families, both stay-at-home and working moms outside of the home were found to be happier and less stressed than mothers who did not eat with their families. Pretty interesting statistic, don't you think, about something as simple as a family dinner. So look at this verse in Psalms 128.3. This is the blessing of a faithful man, and this is a a blessing of a faithful family. It says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the family would look like? But that picture and that verse also reminds me that Mother's Day is difficult for some people. When they look at that verse, they see their mom who may be in heaven, and, there's, and they, they don't have them here physically to celebrate. And then there's mothers who maybe one of their children has, has gone on to heaven without them. And they don't have that opportunity to celebrate here on earth with them. And then there's a lot of ladies at all of our campuses who have not had the opportunity yet to have children, desperately want to have children. So I know Mother's Day brings up a lot of emotions for a lot of people. But let me tell you that this weekend, that God has a purpose and a plan for you according to his word, not my words. And and this weekend, you're gonna receive inspiration and encouragement and something fresh from God's word because that is his will and that's what he wants for you. And so as difficult as Mother's Day is for some people, you know, today, I wanna just honor a very special woman and that's my mom. And, and she deserves more honor than I could publicly give her because let me tell you, I was not a peach to deal with. And uh, uh, I was not always the graceful, um, gracious person and that's, you know, tongue in cheek, person that I am today. Um, and so I was a daddy's girl and I leveraged that and manipulated that and tormented my poor mother. And I, I don't know how she, um, she even stood it. And so... Mom, I love you, and I want to honor you, and I thank you for being a godly mom. And because mom and dad watch every weekend online, and so I, I just want to say, Mom, thank you so much for being a godly example to me. And so um, let me just let you listen to some of her words and what she has to say. As you remember, Michelle, growing up, we always had supper together. That was the time your daddy usually worked late, but we always waited and had supper together. And that was good reminiscing times. We'd talk about what we'd been doing during the day, each of you. That's how we kept up with your life. I'll never forget the time that uh, I found out later you were feeding your Brussels sprouts to the dog under the table. 
and making your brother think you were eating yours so he would have to eat his. <laughs> I think best kids do. But uh, we always had fun, and uh, when you brought your boyfriends to the house, if Maisel didn't like them, he'd always do something gross so they wouldn't come back. <laughs> he was protective of you, so he wanted to make sure you only had uh, the right kind of boyfriend at the table. <laughs> I did. I had the whole women's circle praying with me at one time for this boy that was not a good influence on you and uh, with us praying for you and for him the Lord moved his family out of state so the Lord was good to answer those prayers for us and at the dinner table a lot of times maybe you weren't too happy with the choices I had made for you <laughs> But we always worked them out, and we always had good times. And uh, those are precious memories is sitting at the table. I think it's one of the most important things you can do as a family. That's your connection time. It's time you talk to each other, time you talk to God. And everybody around the table realizes it's a blessing to be together, that God appointed us to be together. And so, as you can see, I was very blessed to grow up with a, a godly family who protected family dinner. And I was just trying to remember and think about some of the things that I saw at, at our family table. Mom always had the dinner prepared and set, just like you kind of saw there in the, in the video. And then it wouldn't be unusual for me to come home from school or whatever and see my mom's Bible on the table in her Sunday school quarterly because she taught a Sunday school class and that's where she prayed and prepared. You know, as active as my brother and I were in sports year-round and, and church activities and all that, mom running us, she still came home and made time to make sure that our family dinner was ready. You know, as I grew older, I tried to rush through it or even tried to skip out and Mom kind of, you know, said, here's, here's the line, and we're going to have, and she protected that time because she knew that even though we weren't feeling it then, that, that it would be important to us one day and it, for our family dynamic. And so I'm sure she was very frustrated sometimes, and I'm sure her feelings were hurt sometimes. She didn't get a lot of help from us, but she was steadfast in making sure that that table was prepared and that table was set. And so when I was talking, when we went to shoot this video, and I was thinking about the legacy, the spirit-filled legacy that my parents had set for my family, I thought about a dynamic that was very, very important to them, and it was always, they pray every morning on, around the table. So if you're ever at my parents' um, you might as well sneak a snack or something because it's going to be a while before you get to eat around the prayer time because they pray, they pray for their country, they pray for their church, they pray for faith promise, they pray for my brother's church, they pray for all the children, all the grandkids, um, and, and they just spend time in prayer. And it started when they first got married and they would pray together around the table. And for the first seven years, a lot of intercession was believing in faith that God would give them a child because they couldn't have children. And so for seven years, they prayed around the table that God would give them a child. And my mother began to pray as Hannah prayed, um, that God, if you'll give me a child, I will dedicate them into your service. 
And so um, me and my brother have both been in ministry um, vocationally and, um, and uh, as, as a pastor's wife, and then my brother's a pastor of, of a church. And so they're seeing a lot of residual fruit from setting the table, you know, through the legacy of a spirit-filled family. I, I attribute a lot of the ministry that I've done through the years and that faith promise to, to what they instilled in me, and so does my brother. And so it's just so you know, parents, that your prayers don't go unheard and that the seeds that you are sowing, the fruit is going to keep returning and keep returning. It's an amazing thing, God's principle of reaping and sowing. Let's look at a verse in Proverbs 9, 1 and 2. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She's prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. And she has also set her table. As, as a mom and as a Mimi, one of my favorite things and the things I cherish the most is time around the table. Every Sunday, we try to gather as a family for lunch, and uh, it's one of my favorite times. And then um, uh, when we take the cruise, we have a family cruise. That's what we try to do once a year. My favorite time is, is the dinner time around the, around the, ta- around the cruise table, because uh, it's a time where we laugh and, and we celebrate special days. It's a time we tell stories and, and some things I can't even repeat that uh, is said and done at our table. And uh, we share what our words are for the year. We pray together. And it's just, a, it's just a special, special time that we spend together. And there's something about a family gathering that brings intimacy, doesn't it? Brings the family together, brings sharing together. And so I, I just treasure those times. And um, lately, as the family has gathered, I've kind of put them to work because, we're, as you know, um, we're trying to get our house ready to put on the market and all those things. And so um, let's just say I had to purge some things. I might have a slight borderline hoarder problem. And uh, my kids, Zach's down here shaking his head, my kids said, there's no borderline. You've... you've you ran way past the line, Mom. You full-blown, full-blown hoarder. And so I admit I had some difficulties getting rid of some things, but I've, I've, been, I've been working on it. And so one of the days I was there and Rachel was with me, and I was, believe it or not, having trouble purging uh, uh, place settings, the, uh, the placemat. And I, I've got a stack of them. Just to, just to give you a little background, just for Christmas alone, I have four sets of Christmas dishes. Not just the plates, I mean all the, all the plates, all the cups, the stemware, the, the silverware, the, the, um, the napkins and the napkin ring holders. I mean, when I say I have a problem, I, I have a problem. So anyway, going through all that, and, and so I was looking at all them. They just had so many precious memories, and, and so they were telling me, Micah said, you need to, you need to check out Marie Kondo. I said, Marie who? I said, well, what's this you speak? And so, uh, so I did. I said, she, he said, she tells you how to get rid of stuff. So I thought, okay, since I have a problem, I'll, I'll look at it. But what she says is, keep the stuff that brings you joy. <laughs> it all brings me joy, so I get to keep it all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, but they said, no, it's not how it works. Um, so what I did was, as I, I probably could have out and did outfit a whole carm storm and um, could have started one in Hardin Valley. And, uh, but what I did keep was the memories associated to those things. And kind of like it says, Mary pondered those things in her heart. And so when it comes to the family, that's what sparks joy to me. That's what you keep. 
You keep those memories. You keep those family times together. And so are we setting a table of a spirit-filled family with things that are truly satisfying? There's a quote by John Piper. It says, God is most satisfied when we are most satisfied in him. And that's what we do with our families, right? Romans 15, 13 says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, setting the foundation of a spirit-filled family takes a lot of preparation and a lot of, a lot of attention to setting the specifics. Let me give you something to think about. We must set the table for the legacy of our families before it is set for us. Because let me tell you, if you don't set the table and you don't set it specifically, something or someone else will. And so what are, what are you serving your family? What is on the plate? And so let me just give you some ideas from scripture of some things that you can feed and, and some starters that you can start with your family. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. These words which I have commanded and spoken to you today, let them be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And that's an amazing thing to me of something to set on the table. Here's another one, Proverbs 3.3. 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 7.3 says this, bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so I kept looking at that word tablet. Do you see another word inside the word tablet? The word table is in there. And so it kept highlighting in my searches, and I thought, what is what is the deal? So there's got to be some significance to that if it keeps highlighting the word table. So I went and looked it up. And tablet, in the, the Hebrew word is luach, which comes from the same word as table, boards, or plates. Isn't that amazing how God's word, just precept upon precept, just kind of puts it all together? And so when you sit down, as you go, and you're... you're you're writing them on the tablet of your heart, the, just the precepts of God and how he just sets the table for what we need to do with our family. It's hard to set the table with kids screaming and running and crying and fighting and, and pulling at you and asking you questions. But let me tell you, moms and dads, there'll be a day when the place settings begin to get fewer and fewer. You know, as they go away to college, as they get married, the place things begin to decrease, and then it's empty nesters like Pastor and I, and we just kind of look at each other. <laughs> hey, you want to have Halo Top? How about a protein shake for dinner? And that's that's you know that's about how how we how we roll these days. So make the most of every moment, every opportunity. The awesome thing is that when they get married, they bring you more kids, and you begin to add play settings. I know my kids have brought some amazing kids into our life with with Frankie and Rachel and Joy, and what their families instilled at their table, they've brought into our table, and it's just been amazing. And then there's the grandkids. You didn't think I was gonna let the whole message get through without the grandkids, did you? I think the grandkids are dessert. I just love them. I could just eat them up. I just love those babies. And so, anyway, enough of that. So, so when you're thinking about it, set enough on the table 
that there are spiritual leftovers for your children to take home with them to their tables after they leave. I wish you could have a little to-go box spiritually that you could send home with them, but those, those things that happen around the table, they take that home. And so pastor said, now think about the one thing you want them to take home. I thought, oh, well, darn, it's all good. So, you know, <laughs> I want them to take it all home. And so he said, now what's the one thing that you want them to take home? So I began to think, what is the one thing? And my daughter sent me this illustration a couple weeks ago when she knew I was preparing. And I didn't know if I could use it or not. And then I was reading over it and God, God just said, yep, that's it. So let me tell you, it's, it's a little lengthy. Hang in there. Moms, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's called the invisible mother, okay? It all began to make sense, the blank stares, the lack of response, the way one of the kids will walk into the room while I'm on the phone and ask to be taken to the store. Inside, I'm thinking, can't you see I'm on the phone? Obviously not. No one can see it if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or even standing on my head in the corner because no one can see me at all. I'm invisible. I'm the invisible mom. Some days, I'm only a pair of hands and nothing more. Can you fix this? Can you tie this? Can you open this? Some days, I'm not a pair of hands. I'm not even a human being. I'm a clock. What time is it? I'm a satellite guide. What channel is the Disney Channel? I'm an Uber. Um, could you pick me up around 5.30? Some days I'm a crystal ball. Where's my other sock? Where's my phone? What's for dinner? I was certain that these were the hands that once held books and eyes that studied history, music, and literature. But now they had disappeared into the peanut butter, never to be seen again. <laughs> One night, a group of us were having dinner, celebrating the returning of a friend from England. She had just gotten back from a fabulous trip and was going on and on about the hotel she had stayed in. I was sitting there looking around at the others all put together and it was hard for me not to compare and feel sorry for myself. I was feeling pretty pathetic. When she turned to me and she, with a beautifully wrapped package and said, I bought you this. It was a book on great cathedrals of Europe. Gee, thanks. I wasn't exactly sure why she'd given it to me until I read her inscription. With admiration for the greatness of what you're building that nobody sees. In the days ahead, I would read and I would discover what would become for me four life-changing truths after which I could pattern my work. Number one, no one can say who built great cathedrals. We have no record of their names. Number two, these builders gave their whole lives for a work they would never see finished. Number three, they made great sacrifices and expected no credit. Four, the passion of their building was fueled by their faith that the eyes of God saw everything. A story of legend in the book told of a rich man who came to visit one of the cathedrals while it was being built. And he saw a workman carving a tiny bird on the inside of a beam. He was puzzled and he asked the man, why are you spending so much time carving that bird into a beam covered by the roof? No one will ever see it. And the workman replied, God will see it. I closed the book. And I felt the missing piece fall into place. It was almost as if I heard God whispering to me, I see you, I see the sacrifices you make every day, even when no one around you notices. No act of kindness you've done, no sequin you've sewed on a dress, no cupcake you've baked, no Cub Scout meeting, no last minute errand is too small for me to notice and smile over. You are building a great cathedral, but you can't see it right now and what it will become. I keep the right perspective when I see myself as a great builder, as one of the people who show up at a job that they will never see finished, to work on something that their name will never be on, 
the writer of the book went on as far to say that no cathedrals could ever be built in our lifetime because there's so few people willing to sacrifice to that degree. When I really think about it, I don't want my son to tell the friend he's bringing home from college for Thanksgiving. My mom gets up at 4 a.m. To, to bake homemade pies and then she bastes the turkey for three hours and presses all the lens for the table. That would mean I'd built a monument for myself. I just want him to come home. And I want him to tell his friend, you're gonna love it here. As mothers, we're building great cathedrals. We cannot be seen if we're not doing it right. And one day, it is very possible that the world will marvel, not only at what we've built, but at the beauty that has been added to the world by the sacrifices of invisible mothers. Moms, that's what I want you to take home. You can't build a great cathedral without a foundation of a spirit-filled legacy that is set around the table. Think about the foundation that you're building for your families.
And that's the foundation that we want to build, amen? Jesus, the cornerstone. We want to present our families faultless before the throne. Go and have a seat for just a few more minutes. Because let me tell you, it's ironic in a culture where the family dinners are few and far between, and the dynamic of the family intimacy seems to have gone by the wayside. Play settings can be replaced with to-go bags or paper plates. And the table may be sitting around the couch. As long as you're together and you're setting the table for your family to experience the love of God, the foundation of who God is and what he can do in the family and what he can do through the family. We talked about, remember the table at the beginning, the table of showbread where the specific places were. Think about the specific place settings in your family, how unique they are and the, the places where they need to be. And, and the family as a unit and at the table closest to the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. That's where we need to be as a family table. And so many of us have pulled our feet under different tables. And sometimes we don't take advantage of coming to the table that has been set for us. Well, there's one table that I don't want you to miss. There's one table that I don't want you to not be able to slide your feet under. And it's it, Revelations 19.9 talks about it. It says, then he said to me, right blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. See, one day there's gonna be a marriage supper of the Lamb and it's God's family dinner table. It's celebrating his son's marriage, his son's bride, which is the church, which is us. And so I wanna give you an invitation to be a part of that family dinner. And the way you get to God's table and to slide your feet under that is by having a personal relationship with his son, Jesus, becoming part of that bride. And it's just as simple as opening up your heart and life and saying, I can't do this and I need you. And so we wanna give you an opportunity to respond to that invitation this weekend at every campus. And so it's not anything that we say in particular that makes us part of that family. It's how our heart responds to the love of Jesus and what he's done for us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Faith Promise, we don't, we don't do anything alone. We do everything together. And so we're gonna pray together. And so if you'll just open up your heart and pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for providing a table that I can come to and I can be part of your family by accepting what you did for me when you took my place on the cross and you forgave my debt. I'm forever grateful and I just give you my life. And thank you for letting me be part of your family. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So with heads down and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time with me, will you just lift your hand all over the room and keep it up high because there's people that wanna give you something that's just simply your next steps because at Faith Promise, we're all about helping you take your next step. We're a community, we're a family, we do life together. 
All right, if if you just look up here with me for just a moment, can you help me celebrate the people that gave their hearts to Jesus at every campus? It's been amazing. So campus pastors, if you'll just come on down at every campus, we're gonna talk about the next step of being a family and teaching our family about generosity and, and loving the Lord in that way. As you saw earlier in the message, I grew up in a, a very godly family, took me to church. Uh, I went, you know, um, in the belly. Um, and so, I mean, I, when I, I started at the very, very, when my heart beat for the first time, I was probably in church. And so my family uh, just really laid a great foundation for me. And it started when I was a little bitty. You remember the envelopes? I got the envelope, and um, at first my parents would help me check it off, and then I was so excited when I could write my own name and check it off myself and put my quarter in there, and I was so proud to take that to church and give. And throughout time, when I remember when I got my very first job at Shoney's, serving tables, you know, it was not a problem for me to, to, to tithe and give 10% because my parents had started when I was little teaching me about the foundational principles of who God was and being generous and and being generous and doing what God loves because God loves to be generous. And so as a family, we try to do what God loves. And so in return, you know, as I, through the years, as, as we've given and we've loved and we've, we've taught our kids and our grandkids what it means to be generous so that they can help love people and, and do the work of the ministry because we love God and we want to be generous. It's been an honor and a value that I want to instill in our family. And we talk about it even around the table, believe it or not, about what God's doing and what we're able to give and what God's doing through the generosity of Faith Promise Church. So ushers, if you'll just come forward. We're gonna take up the offering right now. And if, if you prayed that prayer, if you'll take just a moment and put that communication card in the bucket when it passes by, or if you have a prayer need or any way that we can help get you connected in our next steps, um, our next steps class, because your next step is your... That's right. So we wanna help get you connected. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna pass the buckets and just continue to worship. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for the heart of these people. And God, their love and and just generosity for you and for your kingdom. God, use it to change lives around the corner and around the world. And we pray in Jesus' name.